0: welcome and thanks for listening to texas tech health check from texas tech university health sciences center i'm your host melissa whitfield we want you to get healthy and stay healthy with help from evidence-based advice from our physicians healthcare providers and researchers if you're like most of us losing weight might be at the top of your list of resolutions for the coming year our guest for this episode Dr. Drew Payne is an internist at Texas Tech Physicians. Dr. Payne specializes in treatments for obesity, and he has advice for us on how to start on that weight loss journey, why it seems that men lose weight faster than women, and how to maintain a healthy weight. Dr. Drew Payne, thank you so much for coming on our podcast. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your expertise and what you do at the Health Sciences Center?
1: I would love to. Thank you for having me, first of all. Uh, So I am an internist, got my training in internal medicine, and I've practiced general internal medicine ever since then. I also do medical education, so I am an associate program director for the internal medicine residency here. But mainly clinic-wise, I wear kind of three hats. I do inpatient care, outpatient care, and then part of my outpatient care involves a weight management clinic.
0: So speaking of weight management, can you tell us, when is a person considered obese?
1: Well, so you know, the the definition of obesity, we like to first kind of clarify that, you know, a person is 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 not obese. Uh, we say that a person has obesity, just like a a person is not a hypertensive, right? They have hypertension. So that's probably the first clarification we probably should make and and really that stems out of our, our implicit and explicit bias towards towards weight as a society. So if we talk about people having obesity we then use a measurement called BMI, body mass index, which is an imperfect measurement. But it does give us an objective uh, measurement that uses a person height and weight to kind of standardize those things across different different heights for people. So a BMI, anybody from uh BMI of 25 to 30 is considered overweight. And then anybody over 30 would then have obesity. Obesity is really kind of divided from there into three different classes, class 1, class 2, and class 3. And so class one obesity is 30 to 35, and then class two is 35 to 40, and class three is above a BMI of 40.
0: So do people have different concepts of obesity, and what are the health risks involved?
1: Yeah, you know, concepts in general for people, I think, are different based on cultures. Food, whether we um, like it or not, is is pervasive into our cultural society. I challenge you to name a celebration or an event in your life that you didn't um, either mourn or celebrate with food, um, because that's just that's just who we are as a culture. So, uh, when we, when we view it as as such, then certain weight categories and classes are viewed differently by by different societies. So, in the mainstream U.S. society right now, the image of having normal BMI or a BMI from 18.5 to 25 is really what we consider normal. I think the second part of your questions was was what are the uh, health concerns behind a weight uh, weight so once we start to gain weight above a BMI of 25 then it starts to affect really most every part of our body uh, from our hips to our knees things we think about just weight um, causing pressure on but then it also affects liver function can affect kidney function, can affect your sleep, and then therefore affect your mentation. Psychologically, it ties into a lot of different things. So really weight in general affects every part of you. And that's one of the things that makes it so, so important for us to treat and uh, put at kind of the center point of of preventive care and primary care.
0: Can we blame the COVID-19 pandemic for having gained weight?
1: I think we could blame the pandemic for most anything. That's just I I think we should. You know, very few good things that ever came out of it. I think maybe the only good thing was that it allowed some people to have telemedicine visits. That's probably the only silver lining that I saw out of the pandemic. But so for um people staying home, not exercising, looking for comfort foods that are that are maybe not as healthy for them. Yes, I could I I could say that we could blame that on the pandemic for sure.
0: Do you recommend dieting to lose that weight or to lose weight in a hurry?
1: Well, so dieting in itself, I like to you know stay away from dieting, the term dieting, because I really strongly believe that if we're going to have success in long-term weight Control, then we need to change the way we view our relationship with food. So, a dieting or a fad diet, I think most everyone's probably tried a fad diet in their life and they know that it's a short lived success. There are certain ways to kind of jumpstart a weight loss, but if, if we're going to make foundational changes, then we have to have a different relationship with food and a different relationship with satiety in general. We have to view feeling satisfied with food in a way that doesn't wrap around our emotions and wrap around who we are as a, as a culture, if that makes sense.
0: What is the proper or healthy way to shed those pounds? And is it different for different age groups?
1: Oh, absolutely. I think there's certain categories of people that fall into a period where they don't need to lose weight. I think of growing children that are in that normal BMI curve. I think of People that are pregnant, you know, pregnancy is never a good time to lose weight. People that are acutely ill, at that point, we don't consider weight loss the best option for them. So all those people, yes, I I think that they fall into a special category where losing weight should not be the priority for them at that time. So I would say a healthy weight loss generally involves a pound to two pounds per week. And to go back to your question about dieting, it's so hard to find generalities amongst diets for certain people because everyone's different and and a lot of the reason people gain weight isn't just related to calories and exercise it's related to hormones that the body produces and the health of of, uh, those hormones and balance of those hormones so I would encourage most everybody who's listening to, to sit down with their primary care doctor and first of all go over your medication list See what medications you're currently on that, that might affect or alter your weight, and then uh, try to view your journey with your primary care doctor from the basis of how do we continue to lose weight and how do we support the idea and the journey of weight loss.
0: Speaking of hormones, why does it seem like men have an easier time losing weight than women?
1: Because they do. Absolutely, they do. That is, um, that's, just a, that's just a fact. Men have more muscle mass based on their hormones than women do. And you see that change happen as, as uh, we go through puberty. So really up, in, up until puberty, the uh, muscle mass ratio to fat is about the same for both genders. And then as we go through puberty and hormones begin to change, um, it becomes more difficult for females to lose weight than it does for males. Um, and male's muscle mass goes up more. So yes, the reason it seems that is because it's true. So if, you're, if your dieting partner is your spouse or your significant other of a different gender, then, then, um, and they have an easier time losing weight than you, that may just be because that's the way they were built. And echoes that point why it's so important for us to sit down with our primary care physician and come up with a, a specified weight loss plan for individuals not just broad strokes of, of different people.
0: Now, what are the, some of the reasons that someone might not lose weight? For example, maybe an illness despite exercising and limiting calories.
1: Well, so exercise and limiting calories, I kind of consider this as the, the foundation of, of where we start for weight loss. Exercise in general plays a big portion of weight loss, but not probably as big as most people think. You know, exercise and diet are normally put on this 50-50 kind of ratio. You need to, you need to cut back your calories and then exercise. But really, I kind of consider exercise as, as a fundamental part of maintaining weight and also maintaining mental health. You definitely need what the USPSTF recommends is 30 minutes five times a week. But if you were to exercise 30 minutes five times a week, you'd be disappointed in your weight loss. Um, It's not going to bring huge, huge numbers down off your BMI. So really the the major point of that foundation is is, uh, calories and hormones. And so that hormonal part is the reason some people lose weight with certain disease processes and some people don't. I like to think about this as in type 1 diabetes versus type 2 diabetes is probably the simplest way to explain it. A type 1 diabetic has no insulin at all. Their pancreas has been attacked and they've, they've stopped producing the pancreatic hormone insulin. So that insulin level for them, uh, what insulin normally does is it, it makes, you, makes your cells absorb sugar mm-hmm. and then it also makes you gain some weight through that process. So if you look at a type 1 diabetic, since they have no insulin, their blood sugars run high because they can't process... The blood sugar and uh, put that into their cells and then they also struggle to maintain weight a type 2 diabetic is while they're both diabetics and have high blood sugar a type 2 bi- diabetic all that runs off of insulin resistance so their body produces an abundance of insulin so they gain weight and that's what you see in type 2 diabetics if you if you take care of those people in, in your clinic you normally see people that are overweight or obese or have weight issues, and um, the type 1 diabetics tend to not have any weight at all. So those pathologies, or disease pathologies, are just two examples of of how hormones that your body uh, produces and needs to keep in balance affect weight. So you may have a person who's a type 2 diabetic that really struggles to lose weight, where a type 1 diabetic can't gain a pound no matter how much they eat. That's the reason why we we can't put weight gain in, in, in one category. You really have to sit down and talk with your primary care doctor and, and start that journey.
0: So how can people get started on that path to change your lifestyle and exercise habits?
1: Well so uh starting. That's that's the hardest thing, right? I think once we start and and start to have some results then it's easier to continue going with something and results i want people to to remember that one to two pound per week um so if you're losing one pound per week at a month you're going to lose four pounds and that in a, of itself can be discouraging right if you've been doing something for 30 days and you think i should be should be doing pretty good here and you've lost four pounds that can be very discouraging so it is a it is a slow steady Race that we're that we're fighting here, or running here. Um, in general, people as, as as we get older, if we don't change habits and diets, then most people tend to gain three to four pounds per year. That body set point tends to raise slowly over each year. So uh, as we start, we need to we need to realize that our goal is not to get down to the beach body. You know, it's not to get down to the to the six pack abs and, and, uh, you know, flexing in front of the mirror. Our goal is really a weight loss of five to 10% over a year or half a year. And that's where the healthy changes are going to happen. That's where we start to see insulin resistance go down and where we start to see people improve numbers as far as biomarkers and, and blood chemistries start to change. That's the, that's the goal for us in that first year. Once you start to see some of those changes and then see some changes on the, on the scale, I think it becomes easier to do that. And it becomes easier to focus on those things. The other thing that helps people out a lot is, is having an accountability partner. Whether that accountability partner is your primary care doctor that you're seeing every three months or whether that's your, your spouse at home or whether that's whoever that you're walking through this process with, it's good to have somebody say, hey, I struggled today too, when, when you have a bad day, or uh, pick you up when you're down. So all those things are really, really important.
0: Some people might not have a primary care provider. And maybe like me, my husband was very slender. No matter what he ate, he was very thin. How can one measure their success? And how long should we give ourselves before actually saying, okay, there's a problem. I need to go see. I need to go do something about it.
1: Well, I'd say dive in as early as you can. Struggling with weight and um, having obesity, I want to take back to the, to the idea of high blood pressure. This is a medical issue. It, it, it's not an issue of cosmetics. It's an, it's an issue that uh, needs to be addressed. So, you know, as soon as you feel like your BMI is in that range that is overweight or obese, then at that point, you know, head, go see your primary care doctor, find a primary care doctor, find someone to go that journey with you. If you're isolated from primary care physicians, or maybe don't have insurance, then there's other societies and apps you can join to help you with that process to develop that community of accountability. The Health Science Center has a good program offered to anyone who has insurance and is an employee of the Health Science Center called Wonder W O N D R, and it's free through the health insurance here. And it's a 12-week program. It's a great jump start um, to try to change some of those habits that we develop throughout life. So I'd suggest if you're a Health Science Center employee, look there. But then there's also a lot of other programs out there. I always tell people, we want you to lose weight, but we don't want you to lose that weight out of your wallet. So if, if you sign up for a program and it's costing you $100 a month and you're not seeing any benefit from it, then uh, pick a different one. Move on to a different program because there's, there's a lot of good programs out there that are free or at low cost and uh, work for you.
0: Can you talk to us about a little bit more about fad diets and juices and cleansers and shakes?' Cause that's we all get those Facebook ads, and that might be tempting to go that route. Are they good? Are they bad? are they
1: well so uh fad diets in general tend to have very little success for long term weight loss. If you uh restrict your calories to under a you know say a thousand calories per day with one of these juice diets, then yeah, you will lose weight but it's really hard to sustain that forever right i mean this is the goal is is the long game here and that's what we're talking about what is the long game and um fad diets uh, tend to not work for very long the other part to them is that uh, sometimes they can be really expensive or sometimes they can be a little bit dangerous medically anytime you're reducing your calories to under 1000 calories per day you should probably have a, a doctor's supervision with with that and checking in on on uh, your labs regularly for that to be really safe.
0: What is the least we can do daily to improve our health?
1: I would say mindfulness is, is, is the first step we should do, uh, being mindful of who we are and our goals and then taking moments to, to listen to our body. So if you're taking a moment to listen to your body before, um, you go eat and asking yourself, Hey, am I really hungry? Am I hungry? Or is it just lunchtime? Start there. And, um, I think some people will talk about a red light, yellow light, green light system for for eating. So red light would be, I just finished eating and I'm full. Yellow light would be, hey, uh, you know, I ate a little bit ago, uh, but those cookies smell good. And then green light would be, I'm hungry. I'm going to eat now. So if you start to concentrate on how you perceive satiety or how full you are, and follow kind of that red light, yellow light, green light system, then that's probably an easy step to reduce your calorie intake per day.
0: Is there anything else you'd like to add?
1: Uh, I think that weight in general is a growing problem in the U.S. And if we don't start to address it in the primary care setting, then, then 15, 20 years from now we're going to be a lot worse off than we are. So I appreciate you letting me come on and talk about it.
0: Well, thank you very much again. Thanks for listening to Texas Tech Health Check. Make sure to subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts so you won't miss our next episodes when we return in January. This information is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice. Always seek immediate medical advice from your physician or your healthcare provider for questions regarding your health or medical condition. Texas Tech Health Check is brought to you by Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center and produced by Tierra Castillo, Susana Cisneros, and me, Melissa Whitfield.